Father, we thank you. We bless your name. Lord, we thank you for your word that is coming this evening. Thank you because our lives are about to be transformed. Thank you because our lives are about to be changed. We thank you because your word will bless us tonight. Father, we say thank you. Lord, we bless your name. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Good evening, everybody. All right, let me read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. I just want to say that you see, um, sound doctrine is very important, accurate interpretation of scripture is very important. So, this morning, when I was trying to make you know, before before any teaching, I tried to like stir up the appetite of um, of people on my status, you know, just write some, some stuff about the meeting. Then, one of my dear brother called my attention to something, you know. There was a trans there was a um, Greek translation that I made and it just caught my attention to it that that's not the proper you know translation for that particular context. And do you know one thing? Just that one correction he made, I had to go back and delete the explanation, I just shorten it. But one thing that came to my mind is that that just that one correction he made, it kind of changed almost everything. Like if 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 I'm looking for a better word to explain this. With that just simple correction of just um, that Greek word is not the proper word you're supposed to use. It kind of changed almost every explanation that I've made. It's like the foundation of it. So if I want to really correct it, the best way is to just delete it and write it again. And because I just don't have that time to write it again, I have to just delete it and write a very short thing. So it shows that how, how um, improper Bible interpretation can cause havoc and this was paul speaking here in ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 he was saying that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in way to deceive and you know when paul, paul told them i think in the book of Acts, that he knows that at his going there are certain people who even rise among them and start teaching certain things. In fact, Paul even left a course. He said, if another angel comes here and preach another gospel, he said, let him be a cost. You know, I heard something one time where it is said that because of the, their faith or because of the, their doctrinal persuasion. So, for instance, if somebody is sick in the hospital, you cannot give your blood. A blood transfusion cannot be done because of their doctrinal persuasion, because of what they believe. In fact, I read something, this is a life story, I think a doctor shared it, where he said that, I don't want to call their name with all due respect to them, there's a body of Christian, you know, they, they are called Christian too, they don't believe in blood transfusion, so they have this little baby, or this their son that has issue and needs a blood transfusion, so because they don't believe, they want to leave the baby to die. So this man had to make the doctor had to do what make the blood transfusion, I think, from his own blood. And then they came ahead and sued the man. You know, the man is a doctor. I think the man retaliated. I think the man went to court with them. He won them. Then the child was with them for like, I think the child is like what 17 years. So when he shared that story, somebody was now asking. He said, if the child later found out tomorrow, or maybe I think they say the child found out or something, I asking the parents that. You don't want to do blood transfusion, and now I'm under your roof. Is it that you want to kill me? 
is an innocent doctor that does not even know the family. He was the one who came and do the blood transfusion for the young man. So you see that improper Bible translation or um, a wrong doctrinal persuasion can lead so many people to can lead many people to problem. In fact, there are certain uh, marriages, there are certain families that the reason why they went apart or the reason why the family separated it was when maybe one of them started going to church and decided hearing something that is i don't know that kind of doctrine you know paul said that we should rightly divide god's word there is a kind of 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 explanation of god's word that you make you suppose you are supposed to be a sheep you know they are, they are kind of otherwise they are kind of um, um maybe um some mistakes that you can you can make you know some very little mistake here and there but there are some kind of very serious mistake that when you make when you are explaining something and you have been doing it consistently it gets shame we're supposed to catch you when you see that kind of um, um, explanation so when it has to do with bible and um, interpretation accurately dividing god's word we need to really pay attention and one thing is that see we're in a generation that asks a lot of questions and this generation we have a lot of materials at our disposal so you cannot just come up and just begin to say what you like you know people just come up and say bible said and then you go and check it. they just bring one two conjugal nonsense together and say bible said then you go back to your scripture and find out that the bible did not even say anything like that you know a german of god was sharing that is around their church area a lady came and the lady was saying that the bible said that god helped those who were, who, who were, um, who were themselves then he replied the lady he said there is no way in scripture where bible said anything like this and the bible said and the lady said no ah, it's in the bible he started he, he, she brought out the bible and she was searching so searching then the man of god said okay it's true it's in the book of ezekiel chapter 2 and the lady said yes i know i i, I know it for bible this one that one and then the man of god just said he shook his head because that kind of statement not even the bible you know there are people you talk to and they have been in church for a long time but the way they are so backward when it comes to doctrinal issues, you will be confused. You don't know where to start from. Say, ah, where I go start from? They are, you, you will be asking yourself, are these people really going to church? See, let me tell you something. Church is not the place where we come to learn about money. Church is not the place where we come to um, learn about health issues. Church is the place where we come to learn about Jesus. Church is what? Church is the place where we come to learn about jesus i'm not saying that some of these things cannot be said once in a while in church you know you know you know encourage people counsel them to do better in their various life but the major purpose of the church is what is to teach people and point people to jesus so if the sole reason why you're going to church is to learn about money principle this and that this and that this and that this and that, this and that you'll find out that even those who are not christian will know the things that you know and Without due respect, if we are not careful, the Nigerian church or the African church may not have messages for wealthy people. Okay, if somebody like Bill comes to you now, what, which principle of prosperity do you want to teach him? Okay, is he the richest guy now? The owner of Twitter? Is even an atheist? Okay, which principle of prosperity do you want to teach that person? So, if we are not careful, the Nigerian church, the African church, will not have a message for a wealthy for wealthy um, um, people. So if somebody like Bill Gates comes to you now, what will you teach the person? But remember, 
the Bible spoke about a particular man, the rich young ruler, even though he had everything. But when he stood before Jesus, it was as if he had nothing because he didn't have Jesus. So let's not be, and you know, there's a way that people say, there's a way that people say some things that can be very annoying to me. Somebody can come and tell you that uh, well, you saw a guy or you saw a lady, you know, the guy is so wealthy, he has good character, but the only thing that he does not have is Jesus. Once the guy has Jesus like this, like this, everything, everything don't complete. Now, the mistake that person is making is that he's making Jesus look like the icing on the cake. Meanwhile, Jesus is the cake, actually. So, uh, uh, once you just get Jesus like this, we don't finish. So, you are portraying Jesus like, like the icing on the cake. Meanwhile, Jesus is the cake. So, we must know that the church of jesus is the place where we come to learn jesus we come to learn jesus i said this over and over i said it a couple of times that if we are not careful time will come where you will not be able to do evangelism you think it's all this uh, runaway christian where you just go and meet them and preach jesus to them and say confess jesus they confess jesus you lay under their head you pray for them there are times when you meet people who are very logical it is some christ some muslims who, who know the quran and they will ask you questions you will run so when you don't know about i've said this over and over the god that you don't know about you cannot defend the god that you do not know about you cannot do what you cannot defend so we must we must place so much emphasis on what on studying god's word on proper bible interpretation all of these things we must do what place emphasis on it and just to um, give us this by december i think the second week we'll be having seven hours bible study in Ibadan. and if you're around if you're close i think you should be there so that's why paul was speaking in second timothy chapter 2 verse 15. it's a story it's a story to show thyself approved unto god he said a workman that needed not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of word of truth meaning that there is a way there is a way that you will divide the word of god you should be ashamed if you don't divide it well is rightly dividing the word of truth? He said that to study to show thyself above unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, as believers, we must give attention to his word. We must go after proper Bible interpretation. There are people today who have gone into trouble setting things because the lack of proper Bible interpretation. I wrote here that doctrine matters so much that certain lives has been lost today because of wrong doctrine. Just like the example of um, certain people who don't do blood transfusion. Imagine that you are the one, you belong to certain denomination where they don't do blood transfusion. So somebody has an issue and you cannot give them blood because it is believed that they should not receive blood. What kind of, what kind of doctrine is that? Doctrine matters so much that certain lives have been ruined today because of wrong doctrine. Certain marriages crashes because of wrong doctrine. Certain marriages. The man of God who is, who is giving the prophecy, he has no discretion. See, there are certain prophecies that you want to give people. There must be discretion to it. You cannot come out in public and be saying certain things. You need to call them to a private place to be able to give them that word. Are you getting it? Just because you are you are prophetic does not mean you will give every message openly like that. There are certain messages that you have to off the mic and give the people. See, once you begin to 
to prophesy in a way that you want men to, to, to glorify you. Prophecy must do what must glorify Jesus. Must point men to Jesus. So we must understand that what prophecy must do what points men to Jesus. So doctrinal persuasion, proper interpretation of, of scripture is very important. You know, like like I said, for those who are not here, I, when I was writing for this meeting, you know, normally I would write a little bit of my status to just tell people for the meeting. Somebody had to point my point to my, I mean, um, draw my attention and say that there's something that I used that I was wrong, that the proper interpretation of that word was not what I said. That the scripture I would have used is in the book of Timothy. And immediately I saw it I, because it's somewhere that I trust. And after reading it, I know that this thing is actually correct. I went to all my pages and deleted it and then just put a very small thing. What, what, what came to my mind was that just this little correction changes almost everything that I wrote. So imagine the level of wrong doctrinal stuff that we have been building on for years just building on just building on just building on over the years so you must don't 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 be among the believers that say that eh, it's not about um, greek or this one that one no no see let me tell you something your life eh, the way you are living your life it is is an indication of what you believe the way you're living your life currently is an indication of, of your doctrinal persuasion you mean you i can begin to point them out to you now is that the reason why somebody will give you money at work and maybe they stole money in the office and you refuse to take the money is because of your doctrinal persuasion and the reason also why a man will try to lure you with money to get you to sleep with him and you refuse is because of your doctrinal persuasion the reason why you refuse certain job even though they have good pay is because of your doctrinal persuasion so everything that we are doing our lives depends on what on a correct Bible interpretation, on the kind of doctrine that we believe. So imagine believing the wrong thing. It is an indication that you believe in the wrong way. So we must pay attention to God's word. And and like like I said, that's the wind of doctrine. The, I, I personally believe that. I personally believe that there are spirits, is even in scripture, seducing spirits that actually sponsors wrong doctrine. And now that, you know, before, when there was no social media, if you have anything foolish that you want to say, you don't have the platform to say it. Because sometimes when you have foolish things to say, you'll not be able to go and pay newspaper and put it on. The foolish things you just share with your family people in the house. But now everybody, almost everybody has access to social media. So people don't even think through what they see. Any foolish thoughts of any kind of demonic doctrine, you just see it on the media. And then people just begin to... You know, you just hear certain things, you just be asking yourself, what kind of thing is this? So, I'll just be sharing simple ways to interpret scriptures. Simple way, few ways to interpret scriptures. Number one, you must learn to interpret certain scriptures literally. Learn to interpret what scriptures literally. What do I mean? When the Bible said that Jesus fed 5,000 people, there is no dimension or there is no realm there. What Jesus did was to feed 5,000 people. See, sometimes trying to find a prophetic meaning to scripture is, in, is the reason why we lead so many people to error, even as men of God. When Jesus said, 
if you had 5,000 people, Jesus said this. He's not, he's not, don't try to look for uh, one prophetic thing that said, no, in the realm of the spirit, it was 4,000 people in the realm of the spirit. No, there are scriptures to be interpreted literally. There are scriptures to be what? To be, that you interpret them literally. I know there are scriptures, we'll get to that point, but there are certain scriptures that they are so clear, you interpret them. For God so loved the world, that gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God became man, died for men, so that men can be saved. Don't try to bring any other logic into it. Sometimes, see, trying to, permit me to use this word, memorize certain things. The gospel is simple. When we try to find dimension and realms and certain things to it, that's why we get into trouble and we explain many things that we should not even explain. Should I tell you something? See, anything that anybody is saying now that has not been said before is an indication that that person may be saying the first thing. Because should I tell you the truth? Scripture cannot mean... If Scripture means something yesterday, it cannot mean different in today. So, that's why sometimes when I read um, books of Ken Fagin, some books he wrote in 1980, they are still the things we are teaching now. So if anybody is saying anything new that has not been said before, check where that person may be saying first thing. There is nothing that anybody will say now that somebody has not probably said before. The only thing that the Spirit of God does for us is that it gives us fresh perspective to things. Fresh perspective. But it does not mean that we are saying different things. I, I don't know if you're getting it. For instance, now we, we normally say that for God so loved the word I gave his only begotten son, give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. Then we, we now have better perspective that it's not really giving our life to Christ, is that we receive the life of Christ. That's when we are saved. Then we give our life. That's for service. Now, even those who are saying give your life to Christ, and we are saying we receive the life of Christ, we are actually saying the same thing. Just that we now are we, we've gotten fresh perspective to it. So, if anybody at all is saying something that has not been said before about um, God's word, in fact, just say what has not been said before. If you check when 90% of the time, the person is saying the wrong thing. There is nothing now that somebody has not, that has not been taught before. The only thing is that God can give us a fresh perspective to that thing. So, when it has to do with interpreting scriptures, there are times that you will interpret it literally you will follow the scriptures according to what the scripture says when the bible said jesus fed five thousand people they were five thousand don't try to look for any realm or dimension to it they were what five thousand people number two the way of interpreting scripture now figure of speech or slash allegorical and i will explain this now there are times that there are times that what you are reading is like a figure of speech. It's not literary. For instance, if the, when the Bible said that, when the Bible said that, um, whosoever wants to follow me must, if you do not eat your father and your mother, you cannot follow him. He's not saying that if you go and eat your father and your mother, I say, Daddy, Mommy, I want to follow Jesus. I hate you now. You get You must be able to know, you must, as a student of scripture, you must know where to interpret literary. And when something is a figure of speech, and don't just that's why see when it has to do with studying scriptures it is it is something that is very is a work 
that's why Paul told Timothy that we should give we should give them what double honor. The elders that rule that have labored in word and in doctrine. Because studying God's word is labor. And labor to properly interpret, to teach is labor. So Paul said to do or to give them double honor. So you must be able to know where scripture is saying something literally. And also where scripture is saying something that you need to um, get the exact meaning to it. For instance, when the Bible said, So have I hated Jacob, have I loved? Now, God was not saying that he, he don't like um, Jacob, I mean, Esau, I thought that. What he was trying to say was preference. If I say that I prefer Amala to Eba, it's not, I'm not saying that I hate Eba or I don't like Eba. I'm just saying that I prefer Amala to Eba. Are you getting it? And then, so, how do I now, somebody may be asking questions. I think I'm going to leave, um, when we are done, I'll just leave the floor for questions if you want to ask any questions. So, today is a, is a Bible study something. So, how do I know when to interpret scripture literally and when to interpret scripture, you know, figuratively or, you know, when to know? Number one is that when script, there are times that scripture will even tell you that something is, is, is a figure of speech. Yes. Number one, when scripture itself says something is a figure of speech, for instance, let's see the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 25. Paul says something here. Um, okay, let, me, let me read from let me read from verse 23. But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was born was by promise. Which things are, are then allegory? For these are those two covenant, the one from the Mancina. Now, Paul, if you read from verse 23 to um 25, Paul was using the example of the um of, of Agai and Sarah and was saying that Mancina and and what Paul said here, let me read again. He said, But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. That was Isaac. And the other was what was Ishmael, verse 24. Which things are an allegory for though for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mancina, which which gendered to the bondage, which is Agai, verse 25. For Agai is Mancina in Arabia, and signed to Jerusalem, which now is in is in bondage with their children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now Paul here was just trying to use uh, Monsanai and um, um, Ega and 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 the and Ishmael and then Sarah and um, Isaac. He was trying to you know use them as an example. And then Paul said something here. He said that it was it was figurative. That's that's what he means when he said allegory. So you should understand that there are times when Scripture will actually tell you that something is a figure of speech, just like Paul saying here, pointing and saying that. I'm just using this thing to make example that we we are the children of the um, of the free woman, while the other people are the children of the world. You know, it was just making example. So, how to know when to interpret the scripture literally and not literally? Number one is when scripture says something is not literary. Maybe you may have to listen to this thing again. All I'm saying. Number two is when you find out that what you're reading is not making sense. For instance, when the Bible said, whosoever must follow Jesus, must eat his father and his mother. 
it's not it, that does not make any sense to you. How will you eat your father and your mother? The same um, scripture that says that you should honor your father and your mother is not saying that you should eat your father and your mother. So you will know that that is a figure of speech. Is there something that you need to decode from that? And what Jesus was simply saying there was that if you cannot put him before your your father and your mother, anybody who cannot put him before, you know, there are some people who <laughs> I don't know the kind of love that they do. Are you getting it? So what he was saying there was not to literally go and meet your parents and say, Mommy, I hate you. Daddy, I hate you. I need to go and follow Jesus. That's not what Jesus was saying there. So you must know when to interpret scripture literally. And then you must know when to interpret scripture figuratively. Or allegory, allegorical. Now, there's something that happened in Ibadan years ago. I think it's around 1998. There was a man called Daniel, Evangelist Daniel. A true life story. A true life story. He got to Ibadan Zoo, and because he read in scripture that Daniel came into the zoo, you know, I mean, he read in scripture that they kept Daniel with the lion and all of these things, and he went to the zoo people and, and he told them that he's also Daniel and he wants to practice what scripture says. He went there with, with the lion. The first time, according to what, what they said, he went there, he came out again, he came out. Then he said he wants to go in again. He went in again, and the lion, you know what, used him as uh, snacks snacks you know well just like when the bible said that if your left hand or your right hand will, will not allow you to see the kingdom of god you cut it off he's not saying that you should take dagger and dagger your private parts that's not what he's saying i think somebody i was really not sure the story was somebody who um had, i think he slept with the lady and something and ah he, he felt that he has done something bad then he took a knife and cut out his private parts that's not what the scripture is saying. It's just saying that if anything will make it, it's better you cut it off. For instance, let me give you an example. I was counseling somebody. Somebody messaged me one time and he said that he was he's struggling from masturbation and pornography or thereabouts. Then I asked him a question. I said, what are your triggers? Then he said, he said so many things. Then he said one thing. He said his friends, because every time they gather, they will start saying things about women. You know, I think dirty things thereabouts. Then I told him, I said, you have to cut off your friends. Then he started saying, I will learn and leave my friends. Then I told him, you are not serious. You are not ready yet. And I'm not saying that you go and meet your friends. I am not, I don't want to be your friend again. No. You just create values around your life. Spiritual value. The spiritual value will help them. We just cut them away naturally. For instance, maybe when they want to joke, you are reading your Bible. When they want you guys to go to party, you are going to church. So that spiritual, that value that you create around your life, we just automatically cut them off. So that is bad. That is in that scripture that says that anything that will make you not to go to heaven or whatever thing that should cut it off. In this guy's situation, what he will cut off are his own friends. So the scripture is not saying that you should cut out your body parts. So you will know when scripture says something is not literal. And secondly, when scripture, when you read something and there's no meaning to it, then you know that there's an underneath meaning to it that you need to find from scripture. So I'm talking about how to properly interpret scripture. Number three, see, you must you must learn to interpret and find out that you must learn to interpret um, historically or slash culturally. Now, I will explain this. When it has to do with theology, we don't import their culture. What we import is the theology. I've I've given this example before. I don't know if you guys have read it before. And this is it. Look at the way Isaac got married to Rebecca. 
Abraham's father, Abraham's uh, one of Abraham's, um, I think one of his servants went and looked for a wife for him and brought. Because that was their cultural setting of those days. Just imagine that somebody wants to marry Tari, and then they send somebody and the person came to your village in Bias and come and hijack you to Portacons without seeing the person. Are you getting so that was their cultural part? So when it has to do with, with studying scriptures, we import their theology, we do we import the theology in scriptures and not the culture. Now, do you also know that in the New Testament, you can say that ah, that was in the old testament. Let me tell you in the New Testament, in case if you have if you have your Bible with you, you can read it. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, then first Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 26. Paul will usually tell people that. Let me read it. Let me read it for you so that so so that you can get what I'm trying to say. I said to, tonight is Bible study, so you can ask your questions once we are done. Now I'm reading from verse 11, Second Corinthians 13, verse 11. Say, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Verse 12. Greet one another with an holy kiss. So why are we not greeting one another in the church with holy kiss? Because that was the cultural setting of those days. Do you know there are still people who do it today? You go to certain countries, you see them, them pecking themselves. I don't think I will allow anybody to peck me that way. So, if you want to import a theology from here, what he's saying here is to show brotherly love. So, but in Nigeria, how do we show it by maybe giving them, you give the lady side hug, you know, you shake the men, you can hug the men, so you can hug people. But here he was saying that they should do it because that was, the, that was their cultural context of those days. So when it has to do with Bible study, you don't import their culture. You only do what? You only import the what? The what? The theology. Let me also show you um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 26. Okay, now, let me read from verse 24. If faithful is it that calleth you, who also will do it? Verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Verse 26. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. So just imagine that I sent Tari to um, some of the members of Penny, um, maybe a physical meeting. Then I, I then I give I give her a letter and said, give everybody the holy kiss. Let just just thank you that Twitter people will not see you. So that was the cultural context of that particular period. Do you get? So the theology in that regard is to import what is to import that what they are trying to see is brotherly love. Imagine coming to the church and be pecking somebody's wife in this Nigeria. <laughs> so, when we study this, we must understand that in theology, what we import is not their culture. This also boils down to when we talk about um, polygamy, 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 and this and that, 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 that. They say, um, and every time they want to talk, they talk about the patriarch and scriptures who married more than one wife. See, you need to understand that, that, um, there is there is a way that scripture um how do i say this now there are things that you not expressively found in scripture that is said but they are there in scriptures and let me give you an example you will not find anywhere in scripture where anywhere actually spoke violently against polygamous but you will see that in the order of god polygamous is not is not there when god created um um Adam, Adam and Eve, not Adam, Eve, and another Eve, or not Adam, Eve, and Tosa. God created, created just Adam and Eve. 
Are you getting it? See, that's why every time they ask, every time the Pharisees try to ask Jesus about um, divorce or marriage, he usually says something. In the beginning, it was not so. So, just because some of the patriarch of faith, and do you know one thing? Do you know one thing? Just check most of the patriarch of faith from scriptures who marry more than one wife. Look at the look at the kind of trouble that was in the house. Look at the level of trouble that was in the house on the account of the fact that he married more than one wife. Let's even start from Abraham himself. He didn't even marry a girl. Just he got her pregnant. Look at we are still we are still in that issue till today. If you know, you know the Ishmael that they gave birth to. Are you getting it? So you must know, see. Okay, let me now say this to you. Now look at what um, um Paul told Timothy in the book of Timothy, where Paul, where Paul told Timothy and said that a bishop must be a husband of one wife. Now somebody can be asking that, and they said it's only for bishop. This one for bishop. Let me tell you something. You must first be a good Christian before you're a bishop. So that criteria that they give for bishop is for members, because the bishop there, the Greek word for bishop there, is also used for shepherd. That Greek word is also used for pastors. You will not just jump from being a non-believer to a pastor. You must have been a believer, a solid brother in church before you become a pastor. Are you getting it? So when Paul said that a bishop must be a husband of one wife, that requirement for bishop is also for every Christian. Because you first be a good Christian before you are, you are being moved to become a bishop. So it's not when you now have two wives and then when you now want to become a bishop, you now remove one. I see this church you are playing. No. Because and then so bishop, they are like the model that the people look look and you know they look they look at them just like when Paul said I follow me as I follow Christ. So that bishop that you see, that criteria that it gives that bishop must be, it is the normal criteria for Christians that you must be husband of one wife. When Paul was speaking to Timothy, are you getting so when we when we try to import this thing, we must know that in Bible study, what we import is what is the is the theology and not the culture number one i say interpret the bible literally number two i say you must understand f- um, figure of speech or allegorical know when that know when when the bible is trying um know when you interpret literally and when you don't interpret literally know when something does not make sense and you have to look for the meaning in from scripture there number three you must learn to interpret contextually. I think, in my opinion, this is one of the large. This is where we have the biggest problem when it has to do with Bible study. Somebody will just hijack one thing from the book of Ezekiel, or somebody will just hijack one thing from one place. You know, I put something on my status um, about a few years ago where somebody was saying that I think what the person said. The person was saying that you know somebody will join early morning prayer and then in the evening go and sleep with somebody's husband. That wouldn't they change? Then somebody now quoted and said that. And that's why people will be there and be judging people. Uh, what about David? He just took the story of David. He took it out of context. He's not, he, I don't even see some people don't know that David, what David did uh, with um, 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 Bathsheba, what he did, that he paid dearly for it. He lost four of his children. Are you getting it? Now, let's see something. Let's see something else when it comes to interpreting contextually. The book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 23. I want to show you something. The book of Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Therefore, verily I said unto 
thing that whatsoever shall say unto this mountain, be that removed and be that cast into sea. Is that shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that whatsoever things is here shall come to pass. Then he shall have whatsoever is yet. Now, here the Bible was talking about the faith to receive. Are you getting it? So, in case you want to pray for uh, with somebody, or in case you're trusting God for some for something, you can use this scripture. And you know, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto you, this is a faith to receive something. Now, let's see the book of Jude. Let's see the book of Jude chapter. Let's see the book of Jude chapter one. Just one, one. Let me read from verse one. Jude, the servant of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy upon you and peace and love be multiplied. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to written unto you of the common salvation, if it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, some people will come here and be using this faith to pray and be saying that ah we contend you know we i i use the faith in this place i've, I've seen a scripture like this before but you need to understand that the faith that was being discussed in this context was the was the salvation that we receive now jude was writing here that there are certain people who are creeping into our churches that's why when you have to do a bible study you must study pretext and posters Pre-test me the test the, the test before the one you want to interpret and the one after that one. So if you, if you study this Jude to verse 4, you understand the faith he was saying here. He said, For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old or dead of this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord and our Jesus Christ. So what Jude was saying here was that we should contend for the faith. The faith here is the is the salvation, the message that we have received. That there are certain people who are coming to behave and here, just like our people who stretch the overstretch the grace message. That was what Jude, Pastor Jude was saying here. That there are certain people who have crept in among us, crept in among us, and they are just thinking that the grace of God. You know, who, who were ordained of this condemnation um, on God's men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. So Paul was saying that we should contend for the faith here. The message that we have received, we should not allow people to come and teach the wrong doctrines and all of these things. We should contend for it and teach the right thing and put away those people who are teaching the wrong thing. So the faith here is not the faith to receive something. Are you getting it? So, when you are studying scripture, you must study contextually. Don't just carry one verse and be running with it. Some people will even be using some verse and, and <laughs> out of out of line, out of line, pata pata, out of line. Are you getting it? So, before you carry one verse and be using it to curse yourself, you don't know what they are even seeing in that context. You must be able to study. That's why in, in, I said the church of Jesus or the church of God. Is a place where we come to do what to study God's word. You know, I'll say this then. I'll allow questions. Anybody that wants to ask questions before we round up, then let me just say this again. You know, are you? I've said this to over and over that almost every, I think every four years there is always tightening debate that comes on social media. Every four years there is tightening debate that comes on social media, and then you see people that have been in church for long. They are just arguing blindly. You know, so many things have been said about tight and all of these things. You know, this and that and that. Atibora, this 
let's just go back. I don't know. I'm just glad I should do this. Let's just go back to the issue of Titan. Let's see the book of Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Because this is where we usually use. 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say when ye have robbed me, there in that an offering. Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse. Ye have robbed me even in the whole nation. Now, let me say this. First of all, you need to even understand that what is being said here was under the law. Is what? Under the law. This is, not, this is under the law. You will not find anywhere in the New Testament where they place curse on anybody because they did not give. There is nowhere in the New Testament where you find that they place curse on anybody because they refuse to give. No. No. See, in the book of Matthew 23, verse 23, if you read the NLT version, even the KJV version, when they were talking, in fact, Jesus was emphasizing that these people were more about, they like to pay their tithes, but they don't like to, they don't like to live well. And he was condemning them. Jesus was saying that you like to do, um, uh, pay your tithes, all of this, but when it comes to weightier matter, Jesus considered treating people with kindness. He considered it a weightier matter more than tithing. Let's see. Matthew 23, verse 23. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and rings and coming, and have omitted weightier matters. He said, You pay tithe, but you have omitted weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. This ought ye have to have done, not to leave the order undone. So he's not saying don't give your tithe, you know, but you have left weightier matters undone. Faith, judgment, justice. That's why you can see people that, because their motive is that once I pay my tithes, you know, God will bless me, devourer will come and not come and devour me. They can they can pay their tithe, but when it comes to their Christian work with God, they are so bad people. They don't they they you go to certain compounds, certain people who are faithful tighter in church, but you go to their compound, they are fighters. They don't love the Lord. They fight people. The only reason that they are paying tithe is so that devourer will not come and eat them. That's a wrong motive to give to the Lord. That's, that is a wrong motive that should sponsor your giving. Are you getting it? Now, how do we give under the how do we give under the dispensation of grace? The heart of apostles told us the Bible said that they give all that they have. It's not about 10%. Whether if you don't give 10%, Satan will come and bite, um, Divora will come and eat you. No, the Bible said that they give all that they have under under um, the book of the, the Act of Apostles. And you know what? Some of those people who were giving all that they have, they were new converts. They were new converts. They were giving some some people even sold their land. See, the way the church of God is supposed to be is that none of us will be lacking. Every each and every one of us will be helping each and every one of us. Now, when Paul was now speaking in Corinthians, the way to give, he said, "Let every man give as he purpose in his heart." He said, "He said not grudgingly, but of necessity." You you will give from your heart. He said, "Let every man give as he purpose in his heart." Under see under the grace dispensation, hmm, it is not leg is not is not legalistic. Ah, if you don't give ten percent of your income, no. Me personally, I believe that if you truly love the Lord, nobody needs to. The least that you should give should be ten percent. But it's not legalistic. Ah, if you don't give ten percent, you ah divora with divora will do the ah no. Your giving to God should not be sponsored by fear. Your giving to God is an act of worship. Is a proof that you love him. Paul said, Let every man give. He said, As he proposed in his heart, he said, Willingly. A dear man of God said that. 
he thought about this first first the first time he thought about this was in 2014 he thought that you know though devourer will devour you give willingly as you love the lord he said and people began to send him messages and began to insult him so he was not asking people that is it that you love to be divorced so much but i'm telling you that no devourer will devour you are angry you are angry see what wrong doctrine can do eh even you will not be know that you will not know that you are under it already and see it's not if that is what they, they, they teach in your church or where it's not something that you go to your church and go and be arguing with your pastor no no they prove that what you've learned is 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 of god it's not that you carry it and go and be fighting everybody even if they are saying ah if you don't give me your church devourer will do this you know that the reason why you're giving is not because devourer will do this to you you are giving because you love the lord you are giving because it's an act of worship and the man of god said that immediately he thought that giving is an act of worship giving is because you love the lord he said the giving in the church increased more than when they were even using fear to teach it he said in fact he knew some people who were now beginning to give 40 percent of their income in fact he said that they were the one who had to call certain people and said please you are giving too much we know what you are earning please invest because if you invest you'll be able to give more to the lord are you getting it so you are not giving out of fear so every time we have we need it we have we need it, uh, we have we need money here to go for a meeting. I will say, ah, we want you guys to give. If you don't have God, seize your heart. Are you getting it? We are not trying to force you and say if you don't. No. Before we drop the bill in the in the group, we we put the bill before the Lord first. Are you getting it? So don't let what sponsors your giving should not be fear. Let what sponsors your giving should not be ah. If I don't give, the devour go wound me. Ah. Devour don't finish me today. No. Is it impossible? every man give as he proposes in his heart. He said, not, not grudgingly, but necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And me personally, I believe that if you truly love the Lord, the least you want to give will be 10%. Because if those who are under the blood of goats and lamb can give 10%, then we are enjoying the grace of God should give more. Should do what? Should give more. Do what? Should give more. If we, we are under, we should give more. But it should not be legalistic. We don't give this, you go to. No. This is why you too, you must study your Bible for yourself. This is why you must do what? You must study your Bible for yourself. I don't know if there's any question, anything. I want to take question before we round up. I don't know if there's any question you want to ask. I have a question, sir. Go ahead. Can you I... Go ahead. Okay, Go ahead, sir. Yeah. So, um in the beginnings you said okay when you said them um, sometimes scripture interprets script, learn to inter- interpret scripture literally why there are sometimes that okay you said something let me just ask the question directly say something about um the scripture can something about a different perspective i just wanted to know where you said and uh, can bring a different perspective is it that because we've learned that um, scriptures just have um, a, a, a scripture cannot have different meanings. It has just one meaning because we have to understand the intent of the writer. So I want to understand what that different perspective meant when you said it. If you hear what I said, well, I didn't say different perspective. I said it can give us a better perspective. Then I gave oh, an example. Okay. 
I give an example. I say, for instance, someone said, ah, you can give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. We now saw that a better perspective on that scripture is that we actually receive the life of God so that we can give our life. In receiving his life, we are saved. In giving our life, he says, that's why Romans 2, chapter 1 said that, you know, that you give your body a living sacrifice. You give your body your living sacrifice. Do you get it? So we receive his life. So both of us that is saying give your life and we that is saying receive your life, we are saying the same thing. Just that we that is not saying we receive his life, we are saying it in what seems to be a better perspective. Do you get it? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Any other question? No question again. Okay, I want to believe that. All right. I would just like that you guys go back to this and listen to it again. I so believe I have a that. Question, sir. Good evening, sir. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good evening, sir. Go ahead, with the year you Go ahead. Okay. Yes, All right. Um, okay. I'm so sorry. I don't know if you have said uh, later say because my network was not good. But you, when you were talking, you mentioned something about uh, um, the fact that some people, when you are to understand the exact meaning of what the Bible is saying, some people are always saying things like it's not necessarily about learning Greek and all that. So my question is, does it mean for us to truly understand some things in the Bible, we need to understand Greek or Hebrew or something like that? So that's where I want to come from. Because something I've always popped in my mind sometimes. Because I have to ask myself, when I listen to some messages, they'll be like, the meaning of this in Greek or Hebrew is this, and it has too many, and it has. I'll be like, how am I supposed to even know all these things in the first place? So I just want you to clear, shed more light on that. Yeah. <laughs> Your question always make me laugh. You say, how are you supposed to know those things? What do you ask yourself? How did you know those things? You know how to win. Now, let me, let me just say this to you. And I'm, let me just remind you guys again, if you're coming for the Badomiti on the 19th, it's going to be a Bible study on the 19th. And then again, December, I think I've forgotten the date now, but December, that's the last meeting of the month. We'll be having a seven-hour Bible study in Ibadan. So if you're around and you can make it, you know, to be very good to have you around. So let me go to your question. Now, see, Bible studies work. A good Bible student don't only really have, don't study from from just one one Bible imprint. See, sometimes studying from KJV, you don't understand what they are saying. You interpret it wrongly. You will say what scripture is not saying. Are you getting it? So, so and let me tell you, let me just say this. When Jesus was here on earth and the apostles, they were not speaking English. So KJV is not the is not the Bible version that came from heaven. So as a good Bible student, what you will do is to get many versions of the Bible. If you go online, there are Greek um, interpretation of this thing. But the online, they don't really have better ones. So sometimes, if you see certain words that you don't understand, you can put it online. You can just put it on Google. And Google sometimes can help you find the um, Greek meaning. Or you buy you buy a study Bible. When you buy a study Bible, they give better explanation. Or you buy a physical Greek Bible or Hebrew Bible that has um, the interpretation of these things. That's why Bible studies work. And again, to understand some of these things, you, you need to also have many versions of the scriptures or Bible. Not just only when sometimes people send me um, um, a scripture from KGV and they say, I don't understand this thing. Do you know what I do? I don't even try to because me, I know what they are saying. I will go to NLT and copy that same scripture and send it to them. And immediately they understand what the scripture is saying. 
because the English from the NLT seems to be very what um, water that you can understand what he's saying. Do you get? But when he has to do with KJV and that shall come here, that I come here, that I go here, that I do it, you know, all those stuff. So a good Bible student, sometimes you may need to understand the Greek word of certain things for you to understand what they are saying. That's just the truth. That's why you must also read good books. You must do what? Read good books. Just like I said, that the bishop that they use, the bishop, the Greek word for that bishop can also be said to be shepherd and even pastor. So when you read good books, you see this thing there. You can also get, you know, Greek Bible. You can search online. I believe you'll see some of them there. But the first step to a good Bible interpretation, one of the first steps, one of the first steps is to study with different versions. It helps you, at least, even if you don't get a Greek word, it helps you. You cannot study with... There are sometimes when... That's why sometimes it's not about how many chapters you can read. Though sometimes you, you may want to cover many chapters. But sometimes it may not be about many chapters that you, you, you read. So I can be on one verse and I saw I, there's something I saw there that I'm not understanding. I will open many other apps on my phone, many other versions to see. Thank God for you version. You can click on it and compare it with other versions that you have on your phone. And you can bring like 10, 20 versions. And before you are done with it, you just see the meaning. Are you getting it? So it's work. Sometimes, to your question, you may need to understand the Greek word of certain meaning. And there are times, even if you don't know Greek word yet, study with many versions of scripture. Because there are certain versions of scripture that you study with. Some of them even put the Greek word there, like TPT version. But let me just give you a small warning. TPT version should not be your main study Bible. It should be your you know, something that you used to check out that scripture because there's a, there are so many stories about the person who wrote, I think, TPT and Message Bible. But that's the talk for another day. So, TPT version should not be your major study Bible. It should be one of the study Bible that helps you, you know. So, for instance, the TPT version, you version have, if you click on certain word, they have the Greek word there. The, the Greek word. If you see one circle there, just click it. It will open up and explain some verses for you. Do you get? So, that's it, man of God. Shady, hear me. All right, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Is there another question? A contribution? All right. I believe um, there's no more question. You can go back to the message again and listen to it. God will help us. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we bless your name. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to learn about you. We thank you for the opportunity to learn about your word. Lord, we bless your name. Thank you for the grace of revelation to understand, to interpret your word properly in context. Lord, we say thank you. Father, we say thank you. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming out this evening. I think once every month we should have a kind of study like this where there'll be questions there'll be contribution thank you everyone for coming god bless you and go thank back you, and listen sir. to this again have a wonderful evening